Today on Living in the Word with Dr. Gary Yates. Without a king, Israel would never fully follow and obey the Lord. And so that's where the Davidic king comes in. God was giving Israel these kings, these leaders, so that they would lead the people and give them an example of what it meant to follow the Lord. I'm Gary Yates, the pastor at Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia. We're continuing our study of the biblical covenants and seeing how the biblical story of salvation and the story of the Bible as a whole fits together. Uh, I think it's exciting as we look at the biblical meta narrative. And our presentation today begins with our begins our development of the Davidic covenant, the fourth major biblical covenant. And in the covenants that God has made with Israel, which are really sort of installments of the same covenant, we've had the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic, and now uh, the Davidic covenant. And the Davidic covenant is important for the history of Israel, and we have the books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles in the Old Testament. But it's also important for our belief as Christians in Jesus as the promised son of uh, David and the promised Messiah, and, and how the New Testament story fits with the Old Testament. Our key text and passage that we want to highlight and emphasize for the Davidic covenant is 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 to 15. And this is the place where God establishes this covenant and makes these promises to David. And here's what the Lord says uh, through the prophet in 2 Samuel 7, 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will rise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Uh, Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all of this vision, Nathan the prophet spoke to David. So this is God's promise to David. And this promise is about David's son, Solomon, whom God would raise up after David, whom God would also use to build the temple that David had wanted to build himself. But God makes promises to David that extend beyond the next generation and Solomon, like Other covenants that God makes in the Bible, there are both promises and obligations. That's the structure of biblical covenants. It's a relationship, and relationships involve promises and obligations. The promise that God makes is that he will establish David's throne forever. Uh, It's not just one generation. This will last and endure for all time. And God further promises in 7.14 that David's son that comes after him would also be God's son. And this would apply to all the Davidic kings. It's not just about Jesus. Solomon himself would be a son of God. And what that means is, is that sonship refers to how God would adopt Solomon and all of David's sons after him as his sons. And again, it doesn't just refer to Jesus. It refers to all of the Davidic kings, the good ones, the bad ones, and everyone in between. Everyone that would rule after David, 
there would be this special relationship where God had adopted them and chosen them as his sons. These Davidic kings would have a special rep- uh, re- they would have a special relationship with God. They would be God's representatives. God would execute his rule on earth through the leaders of Israel as his chosen people. And so the kings uh, in the Davidic line were God's adopted sons. They're not gods, but they are adopted by God. First Chronicles 29:23 even says that Solomon as he reigned in Jerusalem sat on the Lord's throne and and represents God's rule here on earth. God did not have this special relationship with the kings of the great empires like the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Egyptians. God had this special relationship as he was working through the sons of David as the kings and rulers over Israel. So this is a pretty audacious claim. Like the God of the universe has adopted the Davidic kings. These these kings that rule over this tiny nation that's about the size of New Jersey, those are the kings that God is working through. And David's kingdom would last forever. And the Lord specifically says that he would not take the kingdom away from David's family in the way that he had done with Saul. So forever here does not just mean a long, long time like it can sometimes in the Old Testament. We're talking about a lasting, enduring, permanent, forever relationship. But along with the promise, your family will reign forever, there's also a conditional aspect. There are obligations that are part of this covenant. And again, the structure biblical covenants have both promises and obligations. The stipulation, the requirement, and the obligation here, this is the conditional part of the covenant, is that each of David's sons would either be blessed or punished based on their obedience to God's laws and God's commands. So at the very beginning of this covenant, David is blessed when he obeys God, but he will later on, he will be punished in in some significant ways when he disobeys God as well. We move on to Solomon. God would bless and punish Solomon in the same way, and, and Solomon is punished at the end of his life when he turns away from the Lord and begins to worship other gods. It would work that way for every Davidic king blessing and punishment based on obedience to the law. What we can't see here and what ultimately happens, though, is that most of the sons of David would not obey the Lord. Okay, They would not experience the blessing part as much as the punishment and the cursing part. And things would ultimately become so bad. There would be so much disobedience in the Davidic line that God would have to put an end to the Davidic dynasty and it would be continued or resumed at a later time. Uh, When the Babylonians captured Jerusalem in 586 BC, they took the city, they burned down the temple, they took away the last Davidic king, Zedekiah, as a prisoner. Since that time, there has not been a Davidic king on the throne in Jerusalem for 2,500 years. That does not mean, however, that God forgot about this covenant or that the covenant has been canceled, or that God will not fulfill those forever promises that he made to David and to the house of David. So along with 2 Samuel 7, there are also some passages in in the Psalms that inform us about and fill out the picture of the special covenantal relationship that God had with David and his sons. So the first of those passages is Psalm chapter 2. And Psalm 2 is about the coronation day of a new king. A a new king is coming to the throne. 
It may have been composed originally for Solomon, but it would have probably been used at the inauguration and coronation of other Davidic kings as well. But notice what the Lord says to the new king in Psalm 2.6. The Lord says, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Uh, There has not been a popular election. There has been a divine election And the Lord has chosen the Davidic king as his son to be the ruler over Israel. So again, it's not by a popular vote. It's by divine election. And then notice what the king says back in response in verse 7, which is also what the Lord had said to him to begin with. He says there in verse 7, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, this special adoption, this relationship That's what's in view here. God has chosen me, and God has made me his son as the king. I have entered into this special relationship with him. I will rule as his representative. And verses 8 and 9 even promise that the Lord would also give the Davidic king uh, the nations as his inheritance. If he's God's son and God rules over the nations, then the Davidic king would as well. Ultimately, Jesus is the specific Davidic king who would do that. So another psalm that talks about the special covenant between God and David, the Davidic covenant, is Psalm 89. And Psalm 89 will also talk about the special relationship that God has with the Davidic kings and with the house of David. Psalm 89, verses 3 and 4. The king says, You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. So this is exactly what we have in Psalm uh, or Psalm 2. It's what we have in 2 Samuel 7. The Lord would establish David's throne. The Lord would bless him. The Lord would give him victory over his enemies. And then there's um, a filling out of this promise in Psalm 89, verses 21 to 28, victory over his enemies. My hand shall be established with him. My arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not it outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers, He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation, and I will make him the firstborn. And and firstborn here means he would be the most privileged, uh, authoritative, powerful king on the face of the earth. And the, the last part of verse 27, he will be the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm for him. Now, when you read the rest of the psalm, the rest of the psalm will deal, Psalm 89, with the conditional aspect of the covenant. The Davidic kings would disobey God. They would not keep his commandments, and God would take away the kingdom as a result of that. So because of that, Psalm 89 is struggling at the end of the psalm. What happened to the Davidic covenant? And the answer when we read this from the New Testament is that we know that Jesus is the only son of David who can fulfill everything that this covenant has promised. The historical kings, the historical dynasty ended, and Jesus is the only son of David who will ever rule over all the nations. So this promise ultimately moves us from Old Testament history 
to New Testament and the arrival of Jesus. The Davidic covenant moves salvation history forward in a significant way. The Davidic kingdom, the Davidic throne will last forever. Jesus is the Davidic king, the Davidic ruler, the son of David who will make all of this happen. But all of this that's taking place, these new features, this new covenant is actually also connected to the earlier promises and the earlier covenants and God's plan of salvation from the very beginning. God had promised Abraham in uh, Genesis 17.6. God had promised Jacob in Genesis 35.11. Kings will come from you. That's part of my promise to you. The blessing of Jacob in Genesis 49 said that the scepter would not depart from the tribe of Judah until the ruler came who would receive the tribute and obedience from the nations. That's David initially. That's Jesus ultimately. Another passage that's part of this, Numbers chapter 24, promises that a star will arise, a king will arise over Israel, and he would crush his enemies. So again, that's David and Jesus. So Genesis 17, Genesis 35, Genesis 49, Numbers 24, this is all part of God's plan. From the very beginning, God had planned for Israel to have a king. But this king would be different from the kings of the nations. Um, The Davidic covenant would also help to bring fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Jesus was a son of Abraham and a son of David. It was the rule of Jesus as the son of David that would fulfill the promise that that Abraham's family would be a blessing to all peoples and to all nations. God had promised that he would give the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants from the river Euphrates to the land of Egypt, but it's the victories of the Davidic king that will make that possession possible. So the Davidic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant are tied together. The Davidic covenant is also tied to the Mosaic covenant. God would bless Israel if they obeyed the covenant. God would punish them if they disobeyed. Same promises given to the Davidic king. The problem for Israel is that the people as a whole were not faithful to God's covenant commands. Uh, We read in Judges that the time of Judges was a time of disobedience and apostasy and punishment, and God was giving Israel over to the hands of their enemies. And we also read, here's why this was a problem. There was no king in the land, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Without a king... Israel would never fully follow and obey the Lord. And so that's where the Davidic king comes in. God was giving Israel these kings, these leaders, so that they would lead the people and give them an example of what it meant to follow the Lord. Deuteronomy 17, the first thing that a king in Israel was supposed to do was to write out his own copy of the book of the law. You're going to write out by hand the book of Deuteronomy. Maybe we should make politicians to do, do that today as well. But he was to learn it, memorize it, live by it, and rule by it as the king of Israel. And that was what would make the, the, the kings of Israel different from the kings of the nations around them. He wasn't just a ruler. He wasn't just a warrior who led his people to battle. He was a student and a follower of the law of God. And the Davidic covenant came along and even said that God would bless the entire nation if this one individual, as God's representative, 
would obey the law and keep his commandments. The whole nation would be blessed by the obedience of one person. But again, there's a problem with this this arrangement because the problem is most of the kings were just as disobedient with the people. With a few exceptions, the kings brought more judgment instead of blessing. And the unfaithfulness of the kings ultimately became so bad that the Lord brought the Davidic dynasty to an end. Okay? So that's, that's kind of the end of the story, and it sounds, it sounds pretty, pretty meager. But the, but the hope is Jesus is the solution to the problem that is caused by the failures of the kings who came before him. He is the only son of David. He is the only royal son who fully obeys the law of God, completely and in every way. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And because Jesus kept the law in a perfect way, he became the son of David who would fulfill the ideal of everything that God had made the house of David to be. Uh, He would be the ideal king and ruler that the people had been looking for for so long. He also is able to be our savior because he offers the perfect sacrifice for our sins and all of the ways that we have broken the law. He can fulfill that role because he perfectly kept the commandments. So I think as we see the beginning of this covenant and how it works out in Scripture, we have seen another demonstration of how the covenants work together to fulfill God's plan of salvation. The Davidic covenant, it's important to the history of Israel, but it's also important to our understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the son of David who would become the promised Messiah and the Savior of the world. Thanks again uh, for joining us here at Living Word Press, and we hope to see you again soon.